0: Alright, place your bets.
1: Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in.
0: I woke up this morning
2: with the sun down, shining in oh. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the fing money, head? Oh, it's
3: off,
0: uh, oh. oh. It's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag. within 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. down a cloud and fell
1: eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the news, so, uh, you know. That's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what
0: condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling?
1: I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do.
3: There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. The f-
1: are you talking about?
4: Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning
3: with the sun down shining
4: in. Him. Well, we back to Tyson Jacks. I'm Tom Howe. Matt Byrne on the board. SP futures down 38. Nasdaq futures down 151. What's with this down, Greg? We have Greg Tappas in the studio. What's with this down market? We're supposed to be up, up every day. I this think is. there might be more aggressive sellers than buyers, just possibly. Uh, just possibly. More yeah. they're willing to. It was kind of well, you know we. Uh, we we're running up so much that some of our our covered calls and some of our programs, of course, are in the money. Um, <laughs> what Let them have they, it, which they never should have. Well, a lot of people are like you know it's going up. Then it's it, it you know I w- it, when you deal with some uh, uh, people who kind of like their stocks, and it's uh it's it's really pretty scary. I mean, if you take like Tesla, for instance, things uh, from one thirty to one seventy in a week yeah, or whatever. But it was. now it's it, people at one thirty now. When it went down there, and they're all kicking themselves for not selling right. Ah! But now that it's back up to one seventy-five, even today, it's down two bucks. Well, we've got a whole group of uh, were, stocks this week to well, screw up. You no, know, but they've got you know the, now they're now they're, they're vindication. It's going back to three hundred. Oh! So there's no way you, you're going to protect it now that it's back forty-five hours for you. I mean, it's just whoever heard the Trump was who sold it down there, he was wrong in the first place, and you were right. So it's vindication. It has nothing to do. Well, I don't know. I think if they really wanted it, they would have sold puts. Uh, well, that's another issue. Yeah, but you got the money. To, up. Yeah, you got the money in the in, in, your, in your little satchel for that. If you do a cash secured put, Giddy, or you could do a put spread. That's fine. Well, too. that's true. You do a put spread, but yeah, it is, it is interesting. It in, you know. You'll see one of these stocks will go from five hundred to one hundred, and it'll they back go back to three hundred. The thought of anybody saying, "God, a big guy upstairs is give me a chance to get out here," not a chance. It means no, they no, were, no. means they were right all along. Big no no. Yeah, yeah they're right. I mean, I. I never understood exactly, well, maybe because I did this for a living, Greg, and so do you. I mean, I don't think you ever get the real warm and fuzz, fuzzies off soybean oil. <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, well, you know, because, no, no, you remember, <clears throat> even if you, I actually never went to one of those things, but you ever hear of like a Mazzola party? They never just said a soybean oil party. It was always <laughs> it was like Mazzola was corn oil, right? Uh,
5: I think it's with an A, but yeah, close enough.
4: Mazzola. Yeah. They still sell that
5: stuff. Yeah, yeah.
4: I mean, it's in the aisle. But I don't think there ever was a, a soybean oil party. probably it was too expensive.
5: Uh, soybean oil is, well, now it is, but soybean oil is all over the place. Yeah,
4: well, it was, it was, but it's way too uh, expensive for, like, a party, a naked party.
5: Yeah, you could do it. Well, you could, yeah. make It's a big
4: shot. I mean, yeah. You know, kinda like, got like... Uh, Matt Byrne his buddies, they all got dough. They could do soybean oil. Oh yeah,
5: well.
6: soybean oil coming out the wazoo. Yeah, yeah. All I mean, over the, the place. Ex- exactly. <laughs> exactly. The <laughs> gover-
5: Government will, uh, is about to give you more money for
4: soybean oil. and like oh. Jet, sustainable Ooh. jet uh, fuel, too. Yeah, it's I uh, I don't understand how all this stuff works, but <laughs> I don't think they do either. It's all about who's getting, who's getting the money. Well, yeah, you get credits. So get all load of this. I'm sitting there Saturday minding my own business. I get a call on my cell phone from some lady. And she's, she's working for Lori Lightfoot once asked me, who are you voting for? And I said, well, I don't think I'm voting for the mayor. <laughs> well, she goes, well, what's your issues? I'll, I'll try and talk to you about them right now. And you can change your mind. And I said, that's all right. I mean, just, yeah. <laughs> I don't have to no remember. thanks. No thanks. I mean, no thanks. not exactly sure who I'm voting for, but uh, I, won't, I don't think it'll be her. I don't think she's a bad, bad person. I just think she hasn't done a very good job. I think she's had
5: some great commercials. Yeah. I saw these little, like, stick figure guys waving around and then... Uh, Sam bankman Freed showed up, and then uh, what else? Well, Chewie got money from him, didn't he, or did he? Yeah, this was against Chewie, and it was like a, almost like a South Park cutout figure of <laughs> Chewie and Sam bankman Freed together. I know she's not complaining about Jesse Jackson's kid getting money from uh, <laughs> bankman Freed. <laughs> and then uh, Mike Madigan showed up too, and they were all, <laughs> they were all like stick figure cutouts together. It's funny.
4: I uh, yeah, I don't think she's. I'm sort of not into this, uh, I don't know, Greg, I don't know if this makes me bad or not, but if I, I can't bring myself when I'm trying to do a good job for the city, if, if I look and see that the police tests or the fire department tests are set up in a way where it really favors one group of people, say the white guys, uh, I would do everything in my power to change that. And I, and I would actually um, have junior colleges and so forth have a course or courses for free for s- anybody who wants to go and learn all the stuff that's on the police test or the fire test or the, or the paramedic test or whatever the hell it is. I would try and make it so that everybody who wanted to had a fair shot at those jobs. When I say a fair shot, could, could get themselves to the point of uh, competing successfully for those jobs, whether if they had a language issue, whatever it is. We get a chance to work on it maybe at somebody else's expense, and, if, and at least it would improve them at some point anyway, You know, if somebody wanted to do that. But there's, there's no way in hell am I ever going to get to the point where... I don't I, think I, the fire department has a problem recruiting, do well they? they? It's just, just the police. Well, but yeah. in, I mean, I saw them in the old days, they thought that the tests really really uh, oh, favored, you know, the, the white Nepotism? Yeah, well, they just, you know, the, the language and the, that kind of thing. Uh, but, I mean, I, I, but at the end of the day... I have a city to run. I want the top 100 guys. I don't I don't want or ladies. I don't I don't want the, the bottom 100. I mean, I, I will do everything I can for the people at the bottom to try and get into the top. But th- at the end of the day, I don't, I don't I don't want I don't want to dumb down the system. It's just me. I mean, and I, I really don't like. I mean, I don't, I probably you know, coming from the south side and, and seeing some of the stuff I saw if, if if two people were absolutely equal in this day and age, For a job, and I really felt they were equal. I I might give the black black guy a break, okay? Because for a long time they didn't get a break. Uh, Of course, you know the idea that every single person you hire has to be gay or female or black. I mean, come on! I mean, takes away your options. It kind of takes away your options. And and at the end of the day, I want the city running running. And it's not like there aren't enough gay or women or white or black people that are that are qualified. But look at the people that some of these people have hired. And, and all of a sudden, their, their department is, is somehow in in the limelight, and all of a sudden, they look at them where did they get this person? They don't know what the hell they're talking about. It, it's On a federal level, it's everywhere. I mean, I, I at, least if, at least if you're going to get the black person, the gay person, get the right person, for God's sake. Yeah, that makes a lot of I sense. I mean, come on. I mean, it's not Weird. just somebody you know that happens to be gay. I mean... Uh, that's a, and, and there's got to be how many bazillion gay people that are really good at what they do. <laughs> I mean, at least get the right person, but you, but you can't let a whole class of people out of the out of out of the running, which essentially you've done, which I don't think is right. I, don't, I know, I you know, I don't, but I don't know what you do at the, at the end of the day on this stuff. I mean, this thing going on with Harvard, now that you open up the subject, I really don't know what the solution is. I mean, I know that there there was a time. Uh, when, uh, if you if you just took straight tests to go to Harvard or go to any place, the kids who really did best did the best in school if you just did nothing but, we're, all, we're, all, were mostly were all Jewish kids. Okay, they they studied harder than a lot, the, a lot of the schlumps that I knew, maybe even me. You know, so it's. But then does Harvard want to have ninety percent Jewish? Well, people?
5: now it's now they did that with the Asian. Yeah, now people. but now
4: then all of a sudden. Guess what? <laughs> Maybe the Jewish people got like the rest of us, and they're they're just as lazy in class. And all of a sudden, the Asian kids—that's all they do—is study. You yeah. know. Now all of a sudden, if you just went straight from the top down, you probably have ninety percent. Now I I know you don't necessarily want that as a school, yet. by the same token, how do you say this kid doesn't get in because he's the fifth Asian and he and he's beating out all the other guys? Now I don't I don't know what I don't know what the answer is. To be honest with you, But I think it should be. I think about the colleges it's not that big of a deal because there's a, a really, really lot of good colleges. You know, so I mean if, if you don't get into Harvard and you go to Illinois or Purdue or Notre Dame or Northwestern, I I think you're gonna have a very fine education and a fine life. It's not like Well that's
5: not that's not the majority though. Yeah. The majority. You're talking like top five percent or whatever is, is worth you know, the education, but if you go down into the down, you know, fiftieth percentile or whatever, that's that's uh, substandard. I think they would.
4: Well, I mean, it is, you know, you're, you're getting the. It's expensive. Well, I mean, if you want to get to the Supreme Court, you got to go to Harvard for some <laughs> stupid reason. And yet, yet, how many people we do we know that if you go to Harvard, it seems like they're, they're idiots. I mean, I knew the two. I knew one person went to Harvard. He came home and blew away his parents with a shotgun. Oh, jeez. And the yes, other guy. Yeah. Yeah, and the other guy. Guess who lived two blocks from me? I don't Unibar- know. The don't
6: know. No kidding.
4: Yeah. And he went to Irving park high school. Huh. Right, I used to go and run on the track every night uh, uh, there. And I did, I did. I think like, what the hell did I take? there I took typing there. Every high school, is, my brother lives a block away. A, you know, it's a great school. Somehow yeah. this kid went there, and they, they the
6: they evil s- genius, folks. oh well, yeah. you know,
4: I, I don't even. This is the guy. He's he's he has got to be. He's got to be seventy five. name he? he's a he's old. Yeah, older guy.
6: Yeah. Yeah,
4: I mean he's an older dude, not old, but if you're if you're eighty, he's young, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he. Evergreen Park was just was a community high school. Now, how, how they even figured this? So this is, this is bef- way before my time. We didn't we didn't even take, we didn't even take calculus at Marist. My first time I had calculus was at Notre Dame. Now, right after I got out, they took calculus the senior year. But how this kid at age sixteen was considered to be this math genius and calculus and everything else at Evergreen Park High School? I don't see how that worked. he must have done that all on his own. There was nobody. Oh, grammar school taught calculus, and certainly, <laughs> and certainly the middle school he was in. Uh, we used to play ball at the middle school, right, on the uh, 89th and or 94th and Avery, where all it is. I mean, I don't think they... T- how did how, how this kid even learn all that stuff? And how, th- how did the school even discover he was that smart? He, he ended up going to Harvard when he was 16.
5: Yeah, well, he, he had, like, uh, the same IQ as uh, Einstein or whatever.
4: Yeah, and, and yeah. They, so then they, they put him in one of those... Uh, back in those days... They actually were using, like, mind-expanding drugs, read LSD. They were using. They, they mm-hmm. thought people could really learn. Uh, oh, yeah, and, lot the and they experiments on they, 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 the they, did ex- uh, they did experiments on the kid when he was 16. Yeah. I mean, how, how Harvard was never, no, some suits were never filed on him for, him for him turned by his family and other people. If I was his brother, I'd be filing suits on Harvard today. Mm-hmm. I mean, what did you do to the kid, for God's sake? All of a sudden, he—I don't—he don't he think don't, he graduated, did he? I don't believe so, but he, I, I'm not positive. Man, he maybe didn't he we'll some, look Did he do some some yeah. graduate work or something in the Midwest? I think he, I, but however he left, all of a sudden he just decided he didn't like a lot of people. Who, they didn't deserve to get bombs, but uh, they probably weren't very likable, shall we say? Uh, well. It's not like he picked guys that were good people,
6: necessarily. This is according to the Atlantic.com. Kaczynski uh, was accepted to Harvard in the spring of 1958. Uh, he graduated about four Well, four he's way older than me, then. Yeah. He's yeah. He, he According to that, he, he did graduate, yeah.
4: Yeah. Um, he graduated, what, at age 19? 20? Let's Must see. have.
6: Huh. Yeah,
4: he was there when he was 16, I think.
6: Uh, it doesn't say when he... Yeah. So he, he got the scholarship when he was uh, 16 years old, so yeah, I guess he would have been – if he did the four years, I'm assuming four years, 20. If
4: you're, if you're, 20? If you're yeah. 16 when you show up at a university, who the hell do you even room with?
6: <laughs> yeah. we, we had a couple guys like that at Notre Dame,
4: actually. Uh, that could be fun. Well, Bob, Bob Golden, he's on a show a lot. Poor Bob I passed early, unfortunately. Still miss him. And when the show misses him and I miss him, uh, he had a, he had a, a guy – his, his roommate one year was a little bill, they called him. He was, like, 16, couldn't go out <laughs> with anybody. He never – you couldn't go over to the gym, play basketball, we just swat them around. It was, I, mean, <laughs> I, I don't know what you, you know, it, it was never would never have been my choice to be somewhere in a college at 16. Yeah. But uh, people do it. There's a bunch that. Uh, that would be some serious temptation. Oh, God. I, mean, wow. I, I know that uh, somebody I, I know was in uh, one of the engineering schools, and uh, he was saying they had some of those kids there, and I said, What are they like? And he goes, Nerds. <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, it doesn't make you bad. It just, yeah, I, what would you do in high school if you were like, Thirteen. I mean, God, nobody wants you there, and you don't want to be there.
6: But then again, you, you do have some some kids. I don't know if you've seen a picture of Barron Trump, uh, Donald Trump's son. That kid's massive. He's he's over six feet tall now. He when he was when when went in, he was you know a little kid, but he's like yeah, like sixteen, seventeen now. Well, he's Trump's huge. Six. Well, how How tall is Melania? Is she's six foot. She's uh, around his height, I want to say. Yeah, she's yeah. got be. I mean, that kid's gonna be tall. Yeah.
4: <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's he's. You know, nobody's ever seen him. Does he, does he have issues?
6: You know, they, they don't really say, but I, I was looking at pictures of him over the week because I, I was like, I saw a picture of him recently, um, and he, I was like, you know, who is that? Who's that kid walking around with him? Uh, yeah, just, he's, he's taller than his dad now. That's how that's how big he is. It's just like, So you get some kids like that who are, you know, puny, but then some kids who are the same age, huge, six yeah. feet plus.
4: Yeah, I think he has, uh, I, ho- I hope I'm wrong, but I think he has some learning disability. I don't you know what it never is. never know. Well, he has been. Otherwise, he'd have... Because the press really laid off him, no matter yeah. what. So, you know, if they did that, there's something where he, by the way, he had his yeah. first, uh. you hope so. He, he kicked off his campaign Saturday
6: night, didn't he? Who, Trump? Yeah. Not a son. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um,
4: so, uh. What do you make of, uh. The market, Greg? The, res- the alleged recession on its way? Or then there's people like me who think it's already here. What I don't think the market's worried about much right now if you
5: look at vol if we're if the vix is you know well, under it's up 20. A,
4: it's 19.96 it's up a buck worried. 45 today
5: yeah so I'm, I'm not sure anybody's really scared it's just a question of which do you like better you know four and a half uh and in, in 10 years or four and a half or six in decent you know large and mega caps well you're dividends
4: you're a a Ted young to remember, obviously, 1980 and 78. Uh, okay. Um, but it's, it is kind of weird, especially with the, with the Fed behaving, I mean, we're coming off, I you don't know how to put this politically correctly, we're, we're coming off a, a, a COVID situation where we shut the economy down. And anybody who doesn't mm-hmm. think that, that we were in recession during the COVID shutdown, I got a bridge for you. I mean, we shut the place down. How could, how could we not be in a recession, right? Uh, but the Fed poured so much money in, and the prices went up so fast that the that the gross GDP actually didn't go down very much, right? Right. So, if at all, but the fact is there was a recession. I mean, for God's sake, everything was shut down. I right. mean, and of course, now you get to define recession however you want. It, so, well, the money f- the money valve got shut off. The bonds
5: went went down, and now we've got a scenario where the inflation is, say, best case seven, yeah. uh, worst case nine or or so and, and your government bonds and your dividends are only four and a half or yeah. or so. so you know that's, that's going forward, that's what we have to plan our expectations around.
4: Well, I guess what where I'm, where I'm driving at uh, mm-hmm. is that we're, we're coming off of a, a, a it, al- it always was, to a certain extent, on an individual company basis that bad news can be good news. You know, I'm laying off a bunch of people. Well, somehow what or other people that people expect. Somehow that was always bullish for the day, anyway. I mean, right? I mean, for the for the hour, for the day, but there aren't, there aren't a lot of people I think that are, are are dumb enough to think that if if 400 companies lay off 10 percent of their people, that somehow or another, the the 399 that isn't you are going to have a problem uh, with people buying stuff from them if everybody's laying everybody off, right? Right. But so it gets reaches the point where. It might be good for one place, but, but collectively we're not, you know, uh, it's it's not a good thing. So we've, we've come across a situation where we're, we're convinced that if the market goes into a, uh, a hissy f- not the market, if the economy goes into a hissy fit, which I think it is already sort of doing, uh, that somehow or another you're going to see Powell, which he did before, by the way, in 2018, totally making a about face and say, Wait a minute. We're not we're not raising by quarter point. We're lowering it by like a point. We're going back to one percent. We're just going to flood the system with money. So people that are investing in, in stocks are absolutely convinced that there is a total, not just a, a disconnect, but almost a a counter. One, when one goes down, the other goes up. So if we actually go into a big recession, the money's going to pile in. and The market will actually go up. That's what that's what the Fed basically taught people during COVID, and that's. Real dangerous, I think, because that's not the way the world works. Because you can't do that forever, or else. Yeah, but you could do it for twenty years or something. But mm. you know, we don't know that, but well, you know,
5: re- what re- are people planning for? So we, we,
4: if you get a if you get a dull moment, uh, read about the Weimar Republic. Well, re- read about yeah, Tur- no. Turkey. Read about you know right. Venezuela. Read about Argentina. I mean, you, you eviscerate your population.
5: Yeah, that's. That's a huge problem for the majority of people because of in the inflation that ensues.
4: But does anybody care about those people if you're in power? Uh, no.
5: Not in the moment, but when they're about to get eh, uh, revolutioned, really. then they start caring. Well, well, let's hope we don't have a revolution. But right, I didn't say that. In an, an election,
4: you may, if you're in a right district, you're not oppose anyone. You don't change anything. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean our, our political system, in my opinion, is absolutely non-responsive. I think a good way to look at it is runway. So if if you have I don't know,
5: I think Berkshire does, you know, two to five years worth of runway, meaning their operating earnings are say twenty five or thirty billion a year. And they consistently keep, you know, fifty to hundred and fifty billion in reserve just in case, you know. Yeah, well no. most people do
4: you think airlines do that? No. No. they no. ever pay cash for a plane? No. They get a bite of stock there
5: Right. And that's why that's why they, <laughs> they go broke every few years. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. They always get bailed. But same thing with people, right? So if you're if you have enough in reserve to take advantage of whatever you know, say five percent interest rate or whatever, if you can manage on that, then you're going to be in a good spot. If you're still if, if you're following, I don't know who the airline school of management where you have zero in runway, yeah, and you're just Literally flying. <laughs> well, and every time you get an line, extra nickel,
4: every time you get an extra
5: nickel, you buy a new boat or a new car, right? Or your stock, yeah. And that's just kind of how it goes over and over again. So, no matter what the inflation rate is, or it's, you know who is going to be prepared to take advantage of whatever happens, uh, Nassim Talib would call it <laughs> anti fragile. Well, I mean, I,
4: while we're we're kind of leading into the sub, you have a few minutes. This that's that's what my issue is with Chevron with buying a the stock there. If they declared an 8 dollars dividend, I'd say fine. Go ahead. It means you don't have enough. Yeah, know, but
5: that's more in taxes, isn't it? No. Yeah, they they hate doing that because they don't. They hate want doing
4: it. it because they have stock options, and if you pay a dividend, the stock goes down. Oh, definitely. So it, it, that would be like you know a stink bomb in church, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs>
7: yeah,
5: that's been the preferred. I think it was like, I, I I can bring it next time, but the buybacks have exceeded dividends by like. 30 or 40 percent oh, yeah.
4: since so that's been the preferred way of uh, i think united airlines over the last 10 years yeah but before the before the COVID thing where they would, of course need all these bailouts again i think the the entire amount of, of money they made they put into stock buybacks
5: right i mean and that's why nobody cares about those companies i mean it's a 15 do- 15 billion dollar company um and they control i don't know they've got a borderline monopoly and that's why people don't believe them.
4: But well, how do these people? How do they? We got a minute. Like, I think it's
5: fifteen um, billion, and billion. They're you, as high as they've
4: been in. <laughs> but you, were, you were the one who mentioned uh, revolution. Yeah. <laughs> yep. If you own, if you owned a thousand, if if if, uh, if Grandpa, Pappas had given you a thousand shares of IBM, you know, when you were born, say, right. And now the stock is is one thirty four. And how many shares? How much money do you think these guys have uh, pulled in dividends? No, they've. <coughs> I'm going to use the term pissed away, buying stock back at 160 170. When I Tell me how that helped you. Oh, it didn't. It but didn't. if you had a well, stock, if you had a they stock would, option... They would argue,
5: well, that ha- that helped us uh, retain talent, and what we have is a very competitive labor market, and so we need to pay RSUs and stock options in order to keep our talent.
4: Oh, uh, yeah, well, <clears throat> it would be themselves. I mean, right. you're the only person who... W- who, ca- who likes the idea that you bought it at 185 is the guy with the stock option at 150 right. and sold? The managerial class. Yeah. Right. But it didn't help you. It, no. Well, you're well, no, it? it did help my <laughs> I didn't sell though. Well, but I mean if you if I was your money manager and I bought all the stock at 165 and straight at 135, you'd fire me.
5: Yeah.
4: But yeah. but these guys, they can't get fired. It, for some reason, SP Future's down thirty five, NASA's down one forty three. Be back with you to Lou Michaels because he wasn't on last Thursday. All kinds of stuff to talk about. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks.
1: How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks.
4: stocks jocks. jocks stocks and
2: jocks
4: you are out of control here. right now right here right now right now jacks i am Tom i Matt burn on the board sp futures down 37 is if he's down 151 uh, we've been sinking kind of since last night. but Last night we were only down 10. Now we're down 37. Dow futures down 218. Individual stacks, Home Depot down 210. The only one that's up a bit is Merck's up 12 cents. Well, Amgen's up a penny. All everything else in the Dow uh, pre-market is down. Uh, we have uh, DAX down 88.6%. Footsie up four. Call that flat. Kakaron uh, down 38.5%. So, not a little bit over there. Uh, bonds, uh, 10 euro up 3 basis points, 3.55, blend up 6 basis points, 2.30. These guys are in danger Greg, going below 2 like a week ago, and now they're way away from 2. Uh, Japan up 1 to four point four nine, right right at the level that the Bank of Japan says they're going to let them go, which is 0.5. For Asia, we've got, oh, these guys are just opening up here, Nikkei's up 50.2%. Hang Seng down 6.19, 2.7, but Shanghai, who just reopened, is up 4. They were up a lot more than that last night, 21%. So they've settled back down. We've got gold down 4.30, but still 1941, the mid 1900s. Silver up 15 cents, 23.78. Copper down a penny, 4.20. We've got uh, Bitcoin down 6.60, but still over 23,000, 23,106. And we have uh, we have the uh, Euro dollar. Well, the, the dollar is down to the euro, but still right around is 1.08. It's flipping back and forth between like 107 and 109, so we're very and the, and the pound is unchanged at 1.23, right where it has been for a long time. Mm. Now what you guys for? us? traffic, weather, sports, very, very questionable refereeing in those games
6: last night, at least in one of them. Oh, definitely. Well, currently 6:35 uh, a.m. on January 30th, 2023. As far as traffic, starting to build up on the inbound from the Dan Ryan minor congestion inbound from the Stevenson around South Central Avenue. Weather in Chicago currently cloudy skies right now, 11 degrees, a high of 14 later today. As far as this week, we're looking at mostly clear skies tomorrow through Saturday, uh, though temperatures remaining below freezing through Sunday. Right now in Phoenix, clear, currently 45 degrees, a high of 59 later on. Of course, yesterday in the NFL and the NFC, Eagles beat 49ers 31-7. to On the AFC side, Kansas City Chiefs win their game against the Bengals. This means it's the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Kansas City Chiefs for the 2023 Super Bowl. So for now, Chief. Back to you. Do we have Mr. Lou? We do indeed. Lou, how are you? Good
4: morning, sir. Did you? Uh, what do you think of refereeing yesterday? In the, you know, what, there's a skill set you get. I'm sure lawyers have it because you're obviously dealing with guys on witness stands and stuff. I'm sure you can, re, you know, you can you can have the tells on people, but you you really learn that a lot on the trading floor. You can sure tell if somebody was having a bad day, a good day, usually by just looking at them. Explain to me how when somebody makes this alleged fantastic catch. And they jump up and try and get the playoff within a second or two. That the opposing coach or the refs don't say, "Wait a minute, he couldn't have caught the ball." Is <laughs> <laughs> it just me, or I knew the second they ran the play that fast that he didn't catch the ball?
3: Oh no, well, well, surely they thought they uh, thought he didn't catch it. Um, yeah, I, I mean that if you if you if you see that, but you know they the, the officials make the call as they as they stand, and they're told they're told not to second guess themselves. Um, and and if there's a problem you know somebody's going to pick it up in in New York or at the replay booth or or one of the coaches will pick it up Um, but you know Chief replay is an infallible (laughs) remember it was Green Bay versus it may have been San Francisco um, or Seattle um, where there was a clear touchdown that was that was not allowed by the on-field officials, and then was confirmed by the replay people in in uh, you know in NFL headquarters. And and uh, you know the officiating is the officiating is like is like the weather or or you know field conditions. You you, uh, when my father used to say this all the time, the officials will kill you. They can they can destroy you. You have to be playing at a good enough level that the the occasional just stupid call will will not will not. Kill you. And he said, if you get in that situation, um, you 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 know, you have to understand that this is this is part of the game. You know, it's a human it's a human game. I mean, I I love I love the fact that they you know the, the game comes down in many cases to measurements of inches. And yet there's absolutely no precision with respect to where the officials were spotting the ball. Oh, right, right. Oh yeah. I, so. you know, I, I mean it, it's complete it's crap And uh, it, I it I'm sorry, I didn't understand the make up down play where they but I saw the explanation for it. I still don't understand it. I mean if you're if you're Cincinnati you you think you think you should get the football. But this is, this is one of those factors, and, and you have to play well enough that, that you eliminate or negatively reduce the impact of, of the occasional bad call.
4: Except these, these teams, and I, I, I know your, your, your father had that mentality for a reason. Oh, like I mean, they,
3: by the way, Minnesota lost a Super Bowl appearance on a terrible non-call buying the football with the Dallas Cat when they, they played the Cowboys in this Stadium. I was there for that game. And, and you know, my father was still furious. He's, he, was, he was furious 30 years afterward.
4: Well, you, you, you wonder, I mean, I would, I would just say that on a, on a play like that, especially since they have, I don't know what the story is with the guys, you know, from, quote, New York that can now intercede even without a challenge. I don't know what the, what the protocol is on <laughs> that. But uh, I just, uh, I, I'm just when when somebody lays out with one hand and drags the thing back in and and lands on his essentially on his stomach, I give that a one percent chance of not hitting the ground before he gets the other hand on it. You know, and the referee should have known that that that's one he had to look at. I mean, plus it was fourth down. Essentially, gave the guy six points.
3: Yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, I mean, I just I didn't think I didn't think, I and mean, I didn't watch the entire games. So I, I just I thought the officiating was. Did see the, uh, I the the questionable plays up think the shading was very uneven.
4: Well, the and then, of course, the next drive, even though every one of them it was probably, if you really did a slow motion move on it, was a legitimate defensive penalty. Like, like the guy said on TV, you know, they let those goals, they let those goals a lot. I mean, then, of course, they were all over the 49ers. I'm not saying you should give a makeup call, but in the back of your mind was God. I just gave these other dudes six points. <laughs> do, yeah. I,
3: do I really got to be? Uh, well, I, well, I, thought, I thought that was. I thought that was inconsistent. I thought, for example, uh, the roughing the passer call on uh, what's this, Fitz Mahomes, was was stupid, given that they had just had something very similar happen with Burrow. Yeah, and they didn't call it. And I mean, uh, it, it's again, you don't you don't want to be in a position where those calls are. are Killing you, you have to be. I mean,
4: you have to be able to to play above the occasional stupid. Well, know, if ever, like if ever you want to uh, see officiating that's really can be really really screwed up. If you're in like a, well, if you're in a, a park league playing basketball, right, and you got one ref, oh yeah. Usually it's it's fairly even because the same guy is doing it. But if you if you up your game and you're in a park league or you're, or in a playoff game where there's two refs and one's on one end of the court and one's on the other, the difference in play underneath the basket can be... You can be getting your head beating on one end and you could foul out on the other end by breathing on the guy. You know, because they're two different... Yeah. I, you'd say, well, you two idiots want to want switch ends for a while to even this up? And it's like, <laughs> you know, which which is not really what they want to hear, but it it, it can be very true. Hey, uh, the world's in uh, kind of a disarray. I'm reading here earth again. I do Turkey. want to
3: talk to you about, about Ukraine this morning.
4: Okay, what about... Erdogan suggests Turkey could accept Finland into NATO without Sweden. What's he got against Sweden?
3: Oh, they had a... They, Sweden has free speech laws. Free speech laws. Yeah, they, they burned it. There was a demonstration in which some bunch of malcontents burned the Koran. And Erdogan is... Erdogan is... He Erdogan is, a, is a, a very strong Islamist. Um, and, and so this, this allows him to whip up I mean, his economy's in shambles. Yeah, his his people are in bad shape economically. Um, focusing on a bunch of you know Swedes burning a Koran uh, allows him to whip up the fervor in his own party, and and so he's using that as an excuse to deny Sweden the uh,
4: well. Just I mean, I, just sort of a legal question, I guess, since you're the legal guy. Just because you let. I'll say a marginal participant of Turkey in to NATO. Why would you want to give Turkey a, a, a blackball capability on somebody else? They're lucky to get in themselves, for God's sake.
3: Oh, I, I agree, but we wanted Turkey. You know, I mean, that was part part of NATO. And if you're in NATO, you can you can you've got a veto vote. And at the time, we needed Turkey badly to forestall the Soviet expansionism in that part of Europe. And so yeah, I mean, that, Turkey, Turkey allowed us to put. Remember, Turkey allowed us to put nuclear missiles on their territory.
4: Yeah, that worked out. Almost got us blown up.
3: Well, I mean, it just caused the Russians to, to push back, in, in a, you know, in a way that got dangerously provocative. But but my, my point is that that the reason they're there, the reason they have the veto powers, is, is because of that. They came in as an original NATO member. They've got the veto power over any other NATO member coming in.
4: Well, so now Finland, so, if they get in, they're going to have veto power with the next guy.
3: Uh, I, I have to. I have to look at the at the nature of their membership, but generally, that's right.
4: I would. I would so, It's a good thing I'm not in. Who wants to be a millionaire? I would have bet Sweden was already in. They're not.
3: Yeah, I mean Sweden. Sweden is. There are two. There are two countries that are, you know, the most militaristic in Europe. And what's their in Sweden? Both countries, both countries, they're armed to the teeth with their own weapon systems. I mean, the Swedes, the Swedes have some fantastic stuff. Now, they have not, obviously, they, they've they sort of existed under, because Norway is a NATO member. The Swedes have benefited um, substantially from being next to NATO and, and within that aegis of NATO coverage. But, but the Swedes are very, very competent. Um, military force. Um, they're not quite as uh, their country isn't quite as militarized as Switzerland, but but no no country is. Um, but those two those two neutrals. You know, if you're a neutral, you got to rely on yourself, and and, and they have. Uh, so so what? Let, let, uh, let me talk about Ukraine quickly because I want to. Well,
4: I have a question for you about about that because Mike uh, sent in. Mike Murphy was analyst. We so don't know if you listened to him. He said the. Uh, I asked him, uh, you know, because this is Stocks and Jacks, he says, uh, because we talked about the tanks being made in the, the Lima, Ohio, but he says, he just wrote in, I believe General Dynamics also makes some tanks. He thinks Raytheon makes the air defense systems. Ukrainians want those. Artillery systems and ammunition are also popular with Ukrainians. I don't know, make the ATA, CMS, those are. And then he says he thinks that's Lockheed. He makes makes... Uh, Makes AT A what are ATACMS? Yeah, that's a
3: long-range artillery shell. Okay. Special arrest, or uh, HIMARS. Uh, 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 just a, yeah.
4: So those are the comments Because I was asking him who, if somebody really wanted to invest in those areas, I I don't really know. Other than the top five, I don't really know any names. I mean, so well,
3: those, those would be those would be would be pretty good. Um, so so let me let me just talk briefly about this tank thing because I don't think I've heard a, uh, sort of an explanation as to what exactly those tanks are going to do and, and, and what having that amount of them. So, so let's say we give them 120 or 130. Okay, well just,
4: just, just, to, just to bring you up to speed, when Mike was on the other day, and you obviously, because there was no show on Thursday, he was saying they're taking 600, a six, whole bunch of guys from the Ukraine to one of our tank facilities in Germany yep. for training. And what he's heard is that everybody's convinced that the Belarusians and the Russians are have this big spring offensive being planned up in
3: Belarus, and that the tanks okay, are well, the Russians. The Russians trained have trained uh, two of their motorized rifle uh, divisions. Well, the motorized rifle division is an old Soviet concept. They trained two of their Soviet their motorized rifle divisions in Belarus.
4: Well, Mike was they've speculating that
3: down. They've moved them down into. Um, Western Russia, Eastern Ukraine, that the area that's controlled by Russia, obviously in preparation, for either in preparation for some kind of big push.
4: Well, that's i Mike be speculating. that the tanks are there to kind of help blunt that if that's a spring offensive of some kind? Well, the tanks can't well, go anywhere tank,
5: until the mud season is
3: over.
4: Yeah.
3: The, the tanks may be available to do that, but what they really give you and, and and I I mean the Ukrainians the Ukrainians are looking at the tanks as offensive weapons, and and what those things will give them is is a capability for a fast exploitive attack that really does kind of look very similar to the kind of warfare that we conducted in in Iraq in in Gulf War okay. One. So so the way this works is you will. And the Russians do something similar to this, but, but they're terrible at it. I mean, they they prove to be terrible at it. So so from our perspective, here's here's something here's sort of how this works. You would mass your you would get your pieces set up on your in your territory, and then you would use your reconnaissance systems, drones, the intelligence we're giving them to target within the area that you're looking to do the attack. To target and identify places where they're storing equipment, bridges that they need to reinforce, and and where particular units are, and then you target those with high with with uh, long range artillery. It's called indirect fire. So so HIMARS, you know, one hundred fifty five millimeter systems we're sending, the Archer systems that the Swedes are sending, that stuff starts pouring very accurate fire on top of of those oh. elements. And starts to suppress the ability of, of the opposing force to, to move. You then turn on your electronic warfare systems that will effectively blanket the area with electronic noise, making it very hard for these units to communicate. Then you you start the you start the invasion, and the first thing across the border will be your armored personnel carriers with with troops in them accompanied by drones and, and whatever air assets you've got again, to strike at pockets of resistance. And as these APCs, these are Bradleys now encounter troops they will disperse the, the troops that they're carrying and, and they'll use their own cannon fire and heavy weapons fire to, to suppress and take down troops that are embedded in, in certain pockets when they encounter tanks they will even destroy them, because Bradley has a very effective anti-tank capability. They will even destroy them, or they will call in the tanks who are coming to these heavy tanks that we've got, these main battle tanks that we've now given them. They will call them in to take, on the, to take on the tanks in the field. All of this will be happening at night, because the Russians have demonstrated pretty effectively they have terrible night vision capability. They've got some night vision systems. Some of them are as good as ours, but they're not widely distributed. And and our tanks at night, um, and and this is true of the Leopards as well as the as the Abrams and the Challengers, have very effective thermal and nighttime thermal systems that are good out the you know five kilometers and and can engage at you know at four but three and four kilometers. Whereas the Russians will have a much tougher time doing that. And so the idea is that you. You throw this this force, this very specific, uh, smartly targeted or brilliantly targeted force across the border. You strike at these pockets where you know there are people. Your your APCs will shatter uh, pockets of individual resistance. They will they will have to confront, and the, the troops on the ground that they disperse will have to confront the guys with the with the anything portable anti tank systems. But they will hit those things. And then the tanks come, re- come tearing across. The goal is to get the tanks and the, and the APCs past that first initial line or zone of resistance, which could be, you know, two, three, four miles deep, and get them into the rear areas where where there's not a lot of good or defense organization. It's more logistics, and have them just tear across the back lines. And the support elements of those of those uh russian units um this is the the concept of what's called a thunder run which we used very effectively in iraq and this this is what a combined arms assault looks like All right so a t- would be missing would be air air support but even the russians have, have the russians have proved i mean unable to, to mass air support for their own invasion it's highly unlikely they would be able to do a lot Against, against well,
4: they, don't, they don't have any plane like the warthog, do they?
3: Well, you no, know, no, they do. That's what the that's what the frog foots were. 225. twenty five, but but they, they've proven unable to synchronize those things in any kind of effective support formation. I mean, they they had those things when they invaded uh, initially, and and they could not synchronize the fires from those aircraft with with movement on the ground.
4: Alright, so, uh, a, couple, so a couple of, of stupid... The anti-air
3: elements obviously moving with these tanks and APCs as well to, to provide cover for, I guess, helicopters and uh, and the closed air support.
4: Okay, a couple of real stupid questions for, for dummy me and maybe dummy some of the listeners. Somebody pulls up in front of PTI or Stacks and Jack's headquarters and you're in here like you used to be with a tank and hands us the keys. How long does it take for us to be able to start the thing and move it and do something with it? You and me? Yeah, well, with you helping, <laughs> what, if, what, if, what if it was just me?
3: Um, me and Greg. Yeah, you, you and Matt. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would take it would take us probably a week of training to learn how to drive, start, and drive the thing so that we could get it to go where we wanted it to go. It would take, you know, a month of dawn-to-dusk training on driving and using the fire control systems and and then integrating that with other tanks. Because remember, these things don't fight by themselves. And so, you know, and, and, and again, what are we training them for? You know, if you're training them for that kind of combined arms assault that I just talked about. That, that's one kind of training. If you're training them for defensive operations, that's something else. And so you know and maneuvering maneuvering a tank battalion you know or, or two tank battalions of a hundred and some odd tanks is is not and, and the associated apcs and, and associated ground groups and and uh, support systems is not something you just throw them out there and say okay boys here's what this looks like on a, on a screen now let's go do it it, it it's a very complicated dance and right. so I would think I would think a minimum of a month after the, these things arrive before you would get you would get people up to speed in a way that they could do this this kind of thing integrated uh,
4: properly. All right, next question. I I know how many. Uh, well, I have some kind of an idea of how many parts there were in a, in a big railroad car. I can only imagine how many parts are in a tank. What, what is the what is the logistical supply line to keep a hundred of these things going for three months straight? I mean do you have to replace the t- the treads every now? And then? I mean, uh, I can only imagine. I mean, who's who's training all the guys to, to do the maintenance on them? I mean, where's all the where's all the parts inventory?
3: Well, that that that's right. You have a, you have an whole maintenance logistics tail that follows these things, and that includes not just personnel to repair it. It includes the uh, the, the tank like machines themselves to go out onto the field and you know like truck like tow trucks to go out onto the field and pull damaged tanks off the field, bring them back to a, to a place where they could be fixed, get them fixed, and then get them back out there. This is something else the Russians proved totally terrible. And it's one of the reasons why the, the Ukrainians are, are, one of the ways that they're their supply of, of, of damaged, uh, mechanized equipment is from the Russians. They just abandoned all this stuff in the field. And, and with all that videos of those Ukrainian tracks pulling those Russian tanks uh, down the roads, I mean, I mean,
4: that's a failure of of the of the Russian support system. All right, got, I'm going to I'm going to bite here. What in God's name? I know what a a tow truck looks like. That can take a pick up the cab of an 18 wheeler with the trailer still on it. tow the thing. It's one hell of a piece of machinery. It's got to cross God knows what. What does it? What is a tank tow truck even? What
3: is oh, it? Oh, it's another like? tank. It's, it's the, so the Abrams. It's the same the same Abrams chassis. But it's got it's got mechanisms on it and of course the tanks have have tow hard hardened toe points. But it it's designed to really pull the thing, you know, pull the thing across the mud even with tracks immobilized. And and so it's a, how do you, you know, it's a very like powerful, I mean, tre- did- powerful um, I
4: mean. tank like uh, machine. If the t- if the treads don't move, how the hell do you pull a thing? How does it not mm-hmm. just dig in?
3: Right. Uh, well, I mean, you either get the treads to move, or you, you, can, you can drag tanks for short, short distances.
4: I actually
5: looked this up the other day. Um, how much do you think a tank weighs, Chief? I,
3: you know what, I mean, I can I tell you what, I, what an Abrams weighs. Yeah, it was say, tons. how many tons? 68. Wow. So
4: that's 130-some thousand pounds.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Right? Armored Six and months. stuff, it's more. So... If you if you have to drag that through mud or whatever, you know you've got so it's
4: roughly three times as heavy as a tractor trailer unit loaded to the max.
3: Yeah, and and this is one of the one of the reasons you can see you see the Ukrainian tractors pulling the Russian tanks. If the Russian tanks are substantially lighter,
4: we don't have any we don't have anything smaller like Sherman sort of tank. We we just have the one tank now, right?
3: We've got we've got Abrams main battle tanks. And then, and then the Bradley fighting vehicles, which which function as our kind of tank destroyers.
4: Are they are they they're like a half track? Or are
3: they all true? No, 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 they're full. They're fully tracked. They have a twenty five millimeter. The ones we're giving Ukraine have a twenty five millimeter machine gun. that fires the during and the ammunition. And and but they're anti tank, and that'll that'll actually kill a tank, I and mean, if it hits in the right spot. But the big the big weapon are these these tow tube launch, optically guided, optically guided, wire guided missiles the whole day. And those things those things will take that intent on the battlefield, and they carry, they carry two of those, and they can fire those from, I think, three or four miles away.
4: Do we have any Jeeps with the big machine guns on them, like in the Rat Patrol?
3: No, we don't do that anymore, although well will strike that. What? The Humvees do have 50 pounds, but they you know, that was an insurgent, that was an insurgent weapon.
4: Why, why don't we get some Jeeps, actually the, the uh, guys, the the, uh, the, the, the guys in the desert use the. the I don't know. I remember that series <laughs> I, I haven't heard reference to the rock patrol in forty years. Well, they're, st- they're on a, they're on a midnight
6: on Saturday if I can't sleep, by watching. H
4: and I, right? You know, <laughs> at H <H&I. laughs> But uh, you know what? We could use. You know, but the, it's the same thing as they use in Iraq. The uh, all the all the, the bad guys always have the Toyota pickups with the with the that's fifty.
3: That's because, that's because they're fighting against a bunch of goat-herders and sheep-herders who are on with, you know, rifles from the Kyber Pass. I mean, I mean, if, if, you're with, if you're dealing with modern weapon systems, those things, those things disappear in like three seconds.
4: Well, the first thing I would do if I was mayor is I'd go over there and if I could find somebody with the head of one of these, uh, these insurgent groups and I'd try and buy three or four of them from them and I'd put them on a Dan Ryan at night.
3: <laughs> well, that yeah, they, they might and they might have a problem with that. do gun again, wrong. That's
4: that. That could be a problem. But I mean, I think it, that's a great commercial for a Toyota. Whenever you see it,
8: <laughs>
3: so, so, yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, I have I have a friend here who drives a Toyota Sequoia, and I refer to it as the Warlord car. You know, if you're an ass Warlord, this is the car you'd be driving.
4: God. So your buddy Kevin uh, writes in and says, make sure uh, you tell. Uh, Lou, uh, thanks for coming in and covering for yourself last Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so thank you. So we will we will see you on Thursday. Uh, and uh, thank you. I mean, you you and Mike, have, I'm going to say between the the boat of you guys, as they say on the south side, we're we're more up to speed, I think, than just about anything I've seen on, on TV. And what's actually going on over there? One of these uh, days, you're going to one of one of you guys going to have to point us to a spot where we can actually see a a Ukraine map, and who knows who's who's doing what where, and who and a uh, because I've yet to be able to find one. Stuff that you used to be able to get every week in, like, Time or Newsweek. Let me, week. Let me mm-hmm. throw
3: one more thing out to you. All right. The the Ukrainians have been, have been waging a war of execution, and so have the Russians, uh, for, for the last probably four or five weeks. Because the Ukrainians do not have the equipment yet to exploit the kind of information systems that we're, we're using to tell them where what, the what, what the Russians are moving. So, so you've got this kind of wear down, but the Russians, the Russians are perfectly happy to use the functional equivalent of human wave assault to to drive the Ukrainians back. So the Ukrainians are killing lots of people, but gradually giving ground. The whole point of putting these tanks in there is to it's to break up a kind of World War One attrition warfare, and 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 that that's what allows a numerically inferior force to defeat a. a, a much more superior force in terms of numbers, in terms of personnel numbers, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to break up that attrition warfare.
4: Well, that, it's pretty hard to will, win a war of attrition on your own property, though.
3: Um, but, that, but that's what you—that's what you got to do. I yeah. mean, I mean, the Russians are prepared to, to just grind down Ukrainian Ukrainian front with with these mass personnel attacks and the Ukrainians can't can't maintain uh, their position. Well,
4: that's a so quick question.
3: They're, is they're creating space for bodies. They're killing a lot of a lot of the opposition, but but they do have to back up, and that's why you've seen Solidar and Bakhmut in these places gradually, slowly being pushed back. They don't have the equipment. They don't have the equipment right now to break the back of those kinds of attacks.
1: I still
4: I still can't believe that uh, Putin isn't getting any pushback while these people he's losing. wasn't it Isn't there like a, a mothers against dead kids over there? Um, I think sure. it's probably some salmon like that growing, but, you know, Chief, this is a holy war. Yeah, I guess. It is crazy. Blue Oils, we'll talk. we'll talk to you Thursday at length, buddy. SPF is down 37. Hanson is on 148. Be right back, Mr. John Flanagan.
8: Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, stocks one dollar for equity options and one dollar minimum of trade
6: our clients at pti pro direct can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general we trade every day we love this stuff
8: that's what i like most about pti pro direct cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders it's the best of both worlds
6: tell your friends that's ptiprodirect.com ptiprodirect.com
9: are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain
1: jocks and stocks and jocks you are out
5: of control here,
7: right, now. Right, here, right now
1: right now the money thing security a uh,
2: nice house uh, i guess that's important to some people
7: no it's
2: it's not important to some people robbie it's important to all
9: people
4: It's been long. Well, I'm all back, Saxon Jacks. I'm telling you, how Matt Burn on the board doing some good stuff. I like the song. Yeah, like there's the song.
6: there's our, our finally our David Crosby uh, tribute. Yeah. There, it's been a while, but we uh, we finally made it around a couple weeks later.
4: We never did Jeff Beck.
6: You got to find oh, him for a Wednesday. What's uh? G- give me your best Jeff Beck song.
4: Uh, boy, i be getting all kinds of stuff from it. Uh, Kevin will tweet in with that one. What his best one is? Yeah. Kevin is a big Jeff Beck fan. I oh, wow. I uh. Maybe Jan Flanagan, Remember Jan? Who's, who's your best Jeff Beck guy song?
7: Oh, I'd have to think about that. <laughs> I know our,
4: <laughs> I I know I our guys
7: annoy uh, people if I pick the wrong one, so I'll defer to Kevin. Kevin's my
4: point person for that. Yeah, he's uh, he's the man, and uh, that kind of stuff. What? Uh, well, actually, Dave Murphy's the man, but uh, <laughs> but uh, well, he's well, he's the man. Yeah, he's,
7: Dave's taken over the you know the airwaves on our, our little email yeah. chat about his knowledge of music, which is very expensive.
4: Yeah. Well, let's put it this way, uh, Matt. Uh, Dave has, what would you guess, 2,500 albums?
6: Yeah. Hmm. yeah.
4: And he's going through them from A to Z, and every day we get a report on the album he's listening to.
6: Wow. And well, they, these are all physical oh, gotcha. copies of the album. Oh, right? gotcha. Yes. Oh, yeah. wow. hey, he's a vinyl collector. He's, uh,
4: he's got sure. the other stuff, too, but uh, but he, he definitely... Uh, and some of these are from the 60s. I mean, I, I have a whole bunch. I, I haven't dug out of the... <laughs> I of you know, the storage for, we I mean, are sitting right there, I haven't played an album in 20 years, but I still have them.
6: You know, speaking of, that, actually, I have this, I have this song, actually, I got this from uh, Reckless Records in, uh, uh, North Chicago. But, um, I got the original, the original, uh, Woodstock album, uh, for, wow. it, now, it, it was a little raggedy, the actual outside, but the inside, all, all three, uh, LPs, all three of them, uh, it was only like five bucks five dollars oh. <laughs> so that that was a steal no nicks uh, no nicks uh, no nicks or cuts not in the actual record but i uh, like i said the uh the outside was a little it was a little worn and you know and not in the best but quality but well yeah they were cardboard yeah. talking
4: 40 years but that was the
6: actual that what was that 70 that that uh the album, was, the album, 60, it was 69 the album yeah. though came out in 70 or 71 um i want yeah. to say yeah so yeah, yeah i think
4: uh boy i remember uh some of those some of those things were really pretty good uh I mean, who was your who's your favorite band at Woodstock, Jan?
7: It probably uh, the airplane did a great fest. Uh, Jefferson Airplane, yeah, yeah. And, um, and Hendrix. I mean, Hendrix.
4: Yeah, I say uh, Hendrix is right up there.
7: Yeah, Hendrix. I mean, I've I've shown video clips in classes trying to tell people what life was like in the '60s, and the Hendrix Star Spangled Banner does it for me. For who else?
4: Th- who did the uh, was it? Cat, uh, yeah, who did? Uh, uh, Hispanic camp. That's Oh, Santana. Point. Yeah, Santana. I, I was love Santana for pretty, pretty, pretty awesome. There. You know, if you if you put a list of the ones you liked versus the list of how of how they all the different people got paid, there's like no correlation. They paid some people that were horrible compared to the people who were really good.
6: Oh yeah.
4: I don't think Santana got very much.
6: No, I don't think that the whole band. I don't think they got paid too much. Actually, one of the uh, one of the members of the band. I want to see the not the drummer, but one of the guitar players. Uh, came up homeless in the last couple of years. He Just you know, didn't d- wasn't paid well enough. You know, over the years and just didn't make it.
4: Well, the uh, <laughs> in the immortal words of the Nick, the one of the owners of the Tripoli Tap. What's his What's his quote? Jan? I ninety percent of the money I made, I spent on, on women, fast cars, and booze. The other ten percent, I wasted. <laughs>
6: <laughs> I, I do want to say, for, for what it's worth, though, uh, in the last uh, it was 2019 was the 50th anniversary. Yeah. They put out a bunch of uh, the live recordings, like the actual live recordings of each every uh, band. And uh, there's some bands that actually d- you know didn't make it to the documentary, like Janis Joplin. Uh, a lot of her performance didn't make it to the documentary. One band that didn't make it to the documentary was Blood Sweat and Tears. Really. And I listened to their live... I did a, a live uh, thing on, my, on one of my uh, shows at another radio station, and I listened to Blood, Sweat, and Tears. They were amazing. Oh, live. they were. It was... Didn't they release
7: just, like, two albums, uh, you know, as a group? But, I yeah. mean, they were... I, they really were a trendsetter for me. That, that, that changed my uh, attitudes about pop music quite a bit, listening to them. Well,
4: some of our Notre Dame guys, they loved... Uh, they like, ten years after. I was never a fan. Yeah. And who was the who was the, the country Joe and the, I thought those guys
6: were McDonnelly awful. McDonald and the Fish. Yeah, <laughs> I thought they were awful. <laughs> yeah.
4: And they they were they must have been on for hours. It seems like every time I I played played somebody's album, they were always on there. I'm going get rid of. The, I couldn't stand those guys, but the, anyway, just just saying. Yeah. But I could listen to Santana and, and Jimi Hendrix over and over again. Oh,
6: definitely. Soul Sacrifice that goes on for about ten minutes. Yeah. I love that.
4: The uh, wasn't uh um, who were the guys on the road again? They were there too. Uh, there was uh, Canty. Oh, uh, Canty can't was that, that that I thought those guys were terrific. Oh yeah,
7: Ike they,
4: could see the Turner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Ike was such a God. What a piece of work that guy was. I don't
7: know.
4: <laughs> the less said, the better, right? Oh yeah. Well, but <laughs> he, well, he could be. He could put his finger up one side of his nose and pass it over to the other side because he, he <laughs> totally destroyed his nasal passages <laughs> with oh, cocaine. Oh, Man. Yeah. How bad is that?
6: That's <laughs> pretty bad. Yeah. Anyway, so
4: John, what? Uh, What's your make of, I've uh, been listening to uh, Mike and Lou and uh, the doomsday clock moving to 90 seconds, and now somebody allegedly nailed something in Iran last night and with uh, some kind of a drone. They, they supposedly don't know where the hell it even came from. Uh, are we getting even more and more unglued here, or what's going on? Yeah, I, I think we're
7: becoming pretty unglued, Tom. I, mean, I Who was it, Lloyd Austin, the defense secretary, last week, in response to some question... About what, what you know, the duration of our you know commitment to Ukraine was going to be. He said, "We will we'll be in there as long as it takes." And all I could think of it afterwards was, "What does it you know?" What does it mean in that sentence? Because I, I don't see any kind of a long-term strategy, whether it involves you know peacekeeping a la of North and South Korea for the next millennium, or you know a, a quick surgical strike and we're in and out. out there, I don't think that's going to happen, and it to, to leave you know, for another day, to, to talk about actually putting troops on the ground, which seems to be at least, you know, in everybody's vocabulary these days. But I'm just stunned that we don't have any kind of a, a real mission here that we can point to and say this is what we're trying to accomplish, other than that we know it's going to be open-ended and we have to commit to as long as it takes to do whatever it is we're there to do. And That's no way to, to conduct any kind of a a military strike or to get involved at all and I think we've just jumped the gun on this way too fast
4: well, I know that you're, you've been on kind of that that side of the argument and I I absolutely understand exactly where you're coming from I don't necessarily um, agree with it because I think a lot of what you do in this world in other ways, certainly in the investment world you you do a lot of times <laughs> you know what you do it John is when it was when you play basketball. When you play one on one basketball, you respond to what the other guy does. It has nothing to do with what you want to do. If you see him leaning one way, you go the other way. It's I think the Korea situation, we would love we I mean I, I don't I can't don't speak for our gentleman in Washington, but we would love to have North Korea become normal and get the hell out of there. But they haven't been normal in fifty years. And it's the the only thing that's kept kept things okay for our allies of South Korea is the fact that we're there. Right. I mean it. I mean it. It's it's a it's a crazy situation, but out of all the other stuff we've done, that's by far been the most effective, isn't it? Well,
7: I don't know if I use the word effective. I mean, it's it's the, it's the most certain thing I guess we we can expect because no no heads that I can think of were saying back in 1953 that in you know 2023 we'd be dealing with the kind of situation we are. I don't think anybody had any. Kind of historical sense of what was going on there, or what could go on there, that we'd still be dealing with something like this today. And had we known that, would we have wanted to, to push as hard as we did or going in in the first place? I don't know. You know, hindsight is, is best.
4: But well, we have a very thriving, serious ally in South Korea.
7: Which, you know, which is you know, thank God. But you know, now we're we're there in the long haul for them too. And That's, well, that's the flashpoint where we that we can't just overlook.
4: Well, this is this goes back. And I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt because I interrupted too. No, office. that's okay. But I'm saying what, the, the 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 story here. And, and we you, and I, by the way, you, you by yoking these two together, you have brought up one hell of a good point. And I'm going to throw China into the mix. But here's and I, and I I certainly understand being, for lack of a better term, verbally spanked by Lou. And then whenever I try and interject my own sense of common sense and logic and fair play into one of these events and the fact that, well, God, it's costing so much, why would anybody ever do that? He keeps telling me, Chief, you can't do that because those people do not they do not think like you. It's not, you, you can't keep thinking that they're going to come around to a logical way of thinking because they don't. And I think that's when one of the problems with... Uh, uh, Milton Friedman's point of view by the way who, who would have agreed with you uh, which puts you as a, a Nobel Prize sort of a wannabe or something mean uh, the the mentality is if South Korea were to become the vibrant place that it is somewhere since 1953 these idiots in the north there would be some kind of regime change they they would they would quote get it and, and change their way of thinking. And one of these days, we could pull our people out of it. Janet, the fact that that place is still the same way it is today, from set. by the way, it's 70 years now, I mean, is, is astounding to anybody. I mean, and I, I'm going to say that the, the Ukraine situation, from what Lou says and from what Mike says, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to defer to those guys and not use my own dumb mentality because it's from the south side and not from Russia, it's going to change... When Putin croaks, and when when the Russian people somehow say, "What are we doing there?" because they eventually pulled out of Afghanistan, it's not going to stop until they decide to do that. So when when uh, the the guy defense guy says, "I mean, if, if if Putin lives to be 104, and this becomes his..." Primary thing when he's 103, I guess we're still there, or somebody is. I mean, we keep hoping the co- cooler heads prevail, and sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. I, I, else? Am I am I somewhere on board here, or no?
7: Well, I, I think the, the difference though is when the, the Soviets went into Afghanistan, that was an incursion into something that had been, you know, somewhat in their sphere, but it represented an extension of their, you know, kind of geopolitical ambitions in a way that really, you know, frightened a lot of people. It it, it was our response, really, to go in and and, kind of bankrupt them and keep that war going, and that's how we got so close to Saddam Hussein in Iraq, to to keep the Soviets pushing against sort of a a, a boundary that had never meant very much to the Russians anyway. Ukraine is completely different, and they're they're not going to... You'll see this as something they can just turn tail at some point and walk away from. And if Putin goes, somebody else will be right there to push it.
4: Well, at so some, at some point,
7: there's much zeal and craziness too. So I I don't think that those are comparable collisions at all.
4: Well, but my point is, it took almost a regime change. But but I mean I I don't I don't see since they don't seem to be as good at this as they thought, and people were sold whatever they were sold. We're, we're going to be in here for you know a few months, and by the way, then it's ours. I I. Again, I, 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 take, I take the verbal slapping uh, as much as I, and I'll try not to go screw up again here, but, but I find it very hard to believe, and again, I'm, I'm going down the road, which I shouldn't, uh, they're not, they're not going to be losing 125,000 people a year and, and conscripting people five years from now. I mean, they're, they're someplace, somewhere. The people over there that have, have become more westernized, that have used to having money, they're not going to be not be able to write a check and not be able to drive, start up their yacht and lose 125,000 people four years now. I, I, I know Lou and Mike would say, Chief, there you go again. But I I, you know, I don't know, John. It's, it's, I mean, I mean, I, obviously, we've been totally wrong on China. No matter how economically advanced they become, they're still a communist country and want to screw with everybody anywhere, including us. And oh, by the way, the same things happen in Mexico. It's still run by the uh, cartels. It's still, uh, the, the, the regular people don't get any money. They haven't become the customers that we thought they would. And some people are getting all the dough, and that's become a fiasco too, not, not near the same level. But I mean, we, we keep thinking that everybody's like us, that economic freedom will will cause political freedom, which will, will cause labor unions, which will cause, you know, the laws will protect the labor unions. You won't just go in and kill them all like if you're a drug cartel. We, we keep thinking that people are like us, and guess what? They're not, which leaves us, in my opinion, not as the world's policemen, but clearly a beacon for what's right and wrong in this world, as bad as we are about it. Well,
7: unfortunately, though, we, we created the situation in Ukraine to a great extent. And I, I agree with you. We should be paying closer attention to threats closer to home, and we should be worried about ways that we could somehow enlist Russia Against China, because in the long run we're going to need Russia on our side if we expect to have any kind of oppositional force with China. Yeah. We don't need the Chinese and the Russians allied with each other against us, which is clearly what's, what this is going to turn into before we're through. I, I just think we have, we can't fight the kind of war that we would expect to fight in order to make you know this whole problem go away. We, we don't have. The capability, we can't run the risk of endangering our other NATO allies, allies in the process too. But we seem to be doing it anyway. Well, I
4: mean, I, I you draw some of these conclusions. I mean, I actually read some. One of the listeners sent me something, and it had to do with uh, you know our place in the world and so forth. And I forget who the hell wrote it. I, I you you know, I'm, I remember all the substance. So I forget where the hell I got it, which is bad. But it had to do with every single time the world is small smaller than it used to be, but every time we we, we kept thinking that we were going to be able to avoid this stuff, if we'd have got into World War One earlier and said, you know, this is going to be our fight, maybe everybody would have lost a lot, lot less people. If we would have said to Hitler, hey, stop. After after Czechoslovakia, we, we, were, we were isolationist, isolationists, and all of a sudden, we didn't care what Japan did, didn't care what Japan did, and all of a sudden, we cared. You know, when we, when we became the next, if we'd have done that Ten years earlier, how many less people could we have? I mean, you know, there's all these questions. To, to, I mean, what, what would happen if these guys, you know, if there was no help in Ukraine? All right. And what makes anybody think that every other territory left wouldn't wouldn't be the next on his agenda? What what, what gives anybody the thought that Putin would be just be happy at Ukraine and say, I got that one, I'm stopping? It's like Hitler's saying, give me the you know, the the Danzig corridor and I'm stopping. I mean, why would you listen to this guy anymore than you would the other guy? So all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden, it's, someday, somewhere, every time they, they do something, they get stronger, and now, you know, who's to say that if it was five years from now, now now we really, really have a problem. I mean, it seems like every time something like this has happened in the last 200 years, that's what's happened, right? Except
7: you know, the, the difference from my standpoint, Tom, is that, Putin didn't have any extraterritorial ambitions outside Ukraine. If you he know? hadn't seen Ukraine as being gradually becoming a Western opposed opposed to the Soviet to the former Soviet Union, as a, as opposed to just being a kind of buffer state. If there'd be nothing to buffer against, we wouldn't be having this this mess that we've got. What, what, I really think we instigated it. And I don't think Putin had ambitions beyond Ukraine. But now you may lo- push him. We may push him to a point where he, he feels he has to. But uh, but why are we why are we pushing this? Is because what I
4: we end up we end up with being. Well, I guess what I'm saying is you, now you're doing the same thing I'm doing. Lou says don't do. You you, you you're putting yourself in his mind. Oh, he only wants Ukraine. He's going to stop. Well, okay. Hitler only wanted
7: the dancing. Well, he, he wouldn't have invaded Ukraine if he hadn't thought that we would. We were pushing it into an oppositional position well, again. You're, you're,
4: again, nobody. I just think he, he he wants the old Soviet Union back, and who knows? If he, but even if he wants that, I don't know the man. How do I know he wants that? So he can be even more. Maybe he wants Poland again. I I don't know. Hey, he well, we'll,
7: I, I feel we're raising the stakes now, where we will make it seem that he can't be satisfied with just securing Ukraine within his control, and if, if that's what we're pushing. Being in there at all, then we're the stupid ones.
4: Hey, you know, I got I got something here for you. let change. I want to ask you about where your feeling is, and uh, if the economy continues or starts to really run down, when is that going to impact the market and so forth? But I got something here. Uh, somebody wrote this was well, an interesting question because the reason why you've met you met my buddy Jan Lee, right? And he's been on the show. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Jan lived in. Well, he's still he's just moving out of Singapore. Um, would would say that. In so many ways, in a, in a total, a total, how's this for an English professor? Correct me here. A total totalitarian regime. Say that ten times fast. Uh, how much freer you were in a lot of ways in your day-to-day life, because you know you didn't have to worry about muggers. You didn't have to worry about kids could take the bus at 10 o'clock at night, and the thought of anybody messing with your kids would never happen. But here's an interesting question here at this core digest, and I'm just going to go through a few of them here, I mean, I, and you would, I'd love your opinion. I don't know if Mike's listening. Here's a guy. The question is, can anybody who lived under Saddam Hussein's regime and who still lives in Iraq compare the differences between then and now? That's a that's a fantastic question, I think. And uh, so here's a guy who writes back and goes, <coughs> he goes. First of all, let me state some facts. Saddam era, speaking of 1991 to 2003, and then post 2003. And here's what the guy says about Saddam's era. So you could drive from the north to the south of the country with confidence that you were safe. Only the state had power and had the final word. It was only one party. You knew it's evil, but it was only one. Avoid politics, and you could live very happily. Salaries were bad, very bad, but things were so cheap, so cheap and affordable fuel was less than 10 cents a gallon. Higher education was better. Iraq was a fo- sovereign country. You couldn't travel aboard eas- easily, no flights. You had to go to Jordan by car and then fly. Kurds were denied high-ranking, sensitive positions in government. Food rationing was a good system to save the poor from famine. So it was actually very equally distributed and on time. Bad health care, bad services. So there's, he's talking about the good and bad. People lost contact with the outside world. No satellite dishes allowed, blah, blah, blah. He goes, says there was a general fear, but fear of one man, one authority, and one powerful state. Uh, but then he says, afterward, after 2003, the whole country turned into a war zone, except Kurdistan. Weak, irresponsible, unprofessional police and security forces. Bombings everywhere. Could easily go to jail and be a ter- and be a terrorist for the silliest accusations with no evidence or trial. State institutions, departments, universities started to be run managed by almost one sect. Education, health security went down very s- and still are extremely bad. Three months without electricity, fuel prices spiked. So, in his mind, <coughs> on day to day life, it's actually way worse. Yeah,
7: and, and it happened because of a fiction, Tom. You know, weapons of mass destruction, biggest lie in you know military history, probably. And, and people didn't question it. There were no oh. cooler heads about it. Both parties were behind it in this country. And this is the kind of legacy that that, that leaves. I mean, it, it's good to put it at the level of people who have seen it both ways. Um, uh, uh, then you look at what we paid to, to be yeah. there at all. It's bad That's enough true. if we left the country in shambles. but we, we kind of exhausted this country's willingness to... You know, to keep doing this. We've got banged up people for the next couple of generations, and, and a financial right. mess now that won't enable us to do that again. Well, we better be careful if we undertake anything like Iraq anytime soon. And, and we have nothing to show for it, really. No. As I can see, we've left that part of the world in a much more perilous state, and you know, what I mean, is, we, wh- we could have saved everybody a lot of pain and suffering had we just stayed the heck out of there.
4: Well, two, two questions. Who, Who's the genius that thought, if you ripped the scab off, the Kurds, the Shia, and the Sunni that all didn't like each other, that somehow or another they were all going to get along. And secondly, I, is who, who originally put the place together? I mean, who, who, drew, I mean, who drew the borders? Was it some kind of... I
7: forget the name of this person, but it was you know, this is at the time of the, the Balfour Declaration during World War One, and it's a, a woman, I can't remember her name, who sort of sat down with a map and a straight edge, and you know, Came up <laughs> the boundary, and this is what got ratified. As you know, here we I are. Thought it was,
4: I thought it was heavily influenced by uh, T. S. Lawrence and uh, Churchill too.
7: Yeah, but he, then Lawrence felt very betrayed, you know, at Versailles afterwards because he had, you know, he had been promising all of his, you know, tribal allies what they would get out of this conflict, and that's what he was fighting for. And he, he walked away totally disillusioned about the process. I don't know if he had much to do. With the actual drawing of the boundaries, and I, I think he was—he was so angry at how this had played out, and he—he he had been kind of an unwilling dupe uh, with his involvement that I don't think he would have signed on to it.
4: So well, I would say that if you, I mean, I, I mean, I don't—I don't know about all negotiations. This is a lure, my question, of all wars that have, that have been fought. I I can't think of a bigger fiasco in terms of a treaty than Versailles. Oh God! I mean, it's to the point where. I'm, I'm I'm moving into the camp. I'm shifting camps, John. That, that there really was no World War One or World War Two. That it was one World War with a 25-year break.
7: The only good thing out of it, I think, Tom, is that the U.S. never ratified it and made it separate pieces with Germany and the other belligerents. Thank God. Uh, I mean, it was. I, I've been all over the ballpark in my life about whether we should have been in the League of Nations. It wouldn't that have been a good thing. I think it would, would have been a horrific thing, and I'm glad you know we stayed as, as far away as we could get from the Treaty of Versailles.
4: Well, no, no, but we really, we really didn't. Again, it's when you when you think you stay out, you don't. John Maynard Keynes was the guy who was the economist economist in the deal. When they left the table. Ninety-five percent of the world oil o- oil reserve were on the other side, so it essentially guaranteed another war. And
7: and the reprehensible, yeah. you know, indemnifications that we demanded from the Germans because well, of their economic. You know, you know, we'll, well, take okay.
4: one. We'll take one minute here, uh, man. Talk about this on uh, Thursday a bit, because you know I did some really dumb study on the German bonds from the thirties and the twenties, the gold back bonds, the bearer bonds, that now they won't they won't pay, and people in this country have. They were selling bonds in this country in the 20s to our citizens le- legally. The money was going back to Germany, being paid to the British and France as war reparations, and the British and French were then sending the money back to our government as World War I debt. So it was a total circle from our citizens back to our government.
7: I think that's how a lot of the, the debts were
4: still unpaid into yeah. the 1930s. So. And now, and now, and now, now those bonds that people have they are not getting paid. So, so tell me what, what a circle jerk that was. <laughs> there is still to this what day. No wonder we had a depression, though. Yeah, no wonder we had a depression. <laughs> John, we'll talk at you later in the <laughs> week, but SP Futures down at 35, Nancy's down at 142. When I come back, we'll have Miss, Miss Nancy talking about mortgages and uh, real, real economics here in Chicago.
8: Stocks!
4: Jocks, jocks! Stocks and
7: Jocks!
4: You are out of control! Right here! Right now! Right here! Right now! Hello and welcome to Stocks and Jocks, I'm Tom front Matt on the board. SP futures down 35. NASDAQ futures down 142. So we're uh, heading south here this morning, at least so far. We have been rallying as the days go, day goes on. In the last couple of weeks, we'll see if that continues today. Uh, Dow is down on uh, one seventy nine. Everything is down on the Dow except for uh, Merck is up nineteen cents. We got Microsoft down three eighty five. Uh, just looking at the big ones: Amgen down a buck ninety nine. We've got Goldman Sachs down a two. N- nothing crazy. Just uh, Microsoft probably the biggest, the biggest loser down a one and a half percent. The rest of them are. Well, uh, I guess we've got Intel down again, forty five cents, one sixty. I still the most amazing things is how all these chip companies are going down, even though everybody's paying up for the chips. It's, it's just a crazy world we're in, I guess, there. Uh, anyway, over in uh, Europe, we've got DAX down 65.4%, FTSE up 1%, call that flat, kick around on 35.5%, so down but just a little bit over there. As a way of review, on last Friday, uh, Dow was up 28. SP down 10, NAS- I'm, I'm sorry, up 10, NASDAQ up 109, but what was significant about Friday is we were way up and then at all fell apart almost to even except for the NASDAQ really in the last 10 minutes. So it kind of was a precursor of this morning. Uh, Over in Asia, we've got the uh, Nikkei up 50.2%. Hang Seng down 6.19, almost 3%. Still 22,069. Shanghai, which was up pretty much last night, uh, finished only up 4, which is 0.1%. So they have been up a lot more. Uh, We've got bonds up 5 basis points, 356 the euro or the, the bonders made a huge turnaround here. It was almost below two percent. Now it's two thirty. So that's all in the last week. Uh, Japan up one basis point to point four nine. Uh, we've got oil uh, down forty eight cents seventy nine twenty back under eighty after being like eighty two a couple days ago. Rent down forty six cents eighty six twenty. Natural gas down fifteen cents two sixty nine. As people pay their gas bills, probably pissed off as they do. RBOB down three cents uh, two fifty five. Uh, we've got gold on 230 but still 1943 silver up 19 cents 2382 copper down three cents 419 we've got bitcoin on 678 but still that's almost three percent 23,088. and we've got the u.s dollar uh, kind of mixed it's it's a little a little down versus the euro a little up versus the pound but still 108 and one two three are the numbers there matt what do you got for us Traffic, weather sports
6: hey good morning currently 7 36 a.m on january 30th 2023 A traffic accident on the inbound on the Dan Ryan had occurred before exit 56B. Expect delays up to 5 minutes. Weather in Chicago, currently cloudy skies. Right now 12 degrees, a high of 14, and a low of negative 1 later today. As far as this week, we're looking at mostly clear skies tomorrow through Saturday, though temperatures remaining below freezing through Sunday. Right now in Phoenix, clear skies currently 46 degrees, a high of 59 later on. Yesterday in the NFL and the NFC, Eagles beat 49ers 31-7. to On the AFC side, Kansas City Chiefs win their game against the Bengals. This means it's the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Kansas City Chiefs for the 2023 Super Bowl game set for February twelfth, twenty 2023. That's all I got, Chief. Back to you. Do we have Nancy? We do indeed.
4: Nancy, how are you? Are you there? <laughs>
2: uh, I am here.
4: I'm, I'm kind of How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing fine. I was kind of surprised. I thought you'd be racing over to your Ford dealer to get your electronic Mustang Mach-E, now that they've lowered the prices. Oh, my goodness.
2: I don't know why I didn't. I forgot.
4: Sorry. It's your midlife crisis car. You know, you gotta have you know, you can take that out every once in a while. Get the convertible. Audrey will love riding with you. You know, she is with convertibles.
2: Okay. I agree. I agree. I just have no interest in buying an electric car.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the other Mustang was uh, uh, not bad. By the way, are you upset with your buddy, uh, Adani shares continued bloodbath as Asia's richest man loses 28 billion in a month. 28 billion in a month? Doesn't say who the guy is. I'll, I'll, I'll dig it out. So tell me, tell me what's going on in your world. and I'll find the guy's name. Adani Enterprise. Hi. Yeah. What's uh? Are you guys? Uh, what's going on in my world? It yeah. is. It's, it's. There's. Let's
2: see. 25 percent of the inventory there was last year in homes. So obviously, mortgage financing is kind of.
4: Down. Yeah.
2: And uh, boy, if anybody needs a mortgage, they got to give me a call at 708 They're probably a shameless plug before you even get started. Yeah.
4: Well, that's okay because if they call you, they'd be very happy with the service. By the way, this should be you. Nancy Adani, I'm using the name of Adani, Adani Group, Adani Enterprises. Uh, it's 25% lower month to date. Guess who the, who the guy is? Gutam Adani. So it'd be Nancy Enterprises. Nancy'd be the person. You see, now you need to be set, set up like this. Twenty-seven wow. bill in a month, right? How many mortgages? How many mortgages do you have to do to have a twenty-seven bill in the bank that you could lose? It's oh lot my of, goodness! It's a lot of mortgages.
2: I couldn't count that high.
4: No, it's a. You have to have Audrey will help you. She'll help you. She'll help you count. She's good at that. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> So it's help me count. <laughs> she'd, be, she'd be happy to help you count. Remember, what was it the Three Stooges? One for you, one for me, one for you, one two for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God.
2: Their routine.
4: Yeah, that was a great routine. Um, anyway, so the uh, things have slowed down. There's been a lot of layoffs in that industry, right? I mean, there's layoffs all over the place, and yet every time somebody lays somebody off, the market wants to go up. It's kind of crazy. The. It wasn't even on Friday. Well, we were, like it was doing so well, and boom! Last half hour, we kind of let the air out of the balloon I was sort of expecting us being down this morning. Although I didn't get shorter anything, and uh, and sure enough, we're down this morning. We'll see if it sticks. But we uh, went up three, four days in a row. I mean, it you get that, you know that, that that story, Nance, when what's what's allegedly good for one company, you know, laying off a bunch of people and supposedly saving, you know, without ever ever a thought that. Those people might have been working on your new product or something. I mean, right, they're laying off
2: their own customers. Yes, yeah.
4: yes. You know, so you don't, you don't really know. I mean, some some companies obviously got way too big, and now even in the Twitter, you know, the the the, the Tesla guy, the Musk place, you know, he's laying everybody off, and he's selling the the kegerators and the and the, and the, and the coffee machines and stuff. And I mean, you do you don't know if those people were just quote fat or whether they are all the people working on new iterations of how they're gonna charge people for advertisement and stuff and all that's all I mean you you never really know just through the press, right? Whether whether right. whether the right. wrong people are gonna lay off or the right people. Um you don't know if people are cutting their their you know, their any any kind of uh, future expansion, any kind of future innovation, or if they're just cutting people that didn't have anything to do anyway. You know, it's so it's mm-hmm. I mean you never never sort of really know. But in your industry every just as soon as the mortgage applications go down, they just lays everybody off, right? Correct. And, then, and what is uh, what do those people do when everybody in the industry is doing the same thing and that's the only thing they've ever learned? Where do they go work? Well, that's a problem. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a, I'd say it's an issue. But uh, right now, why, why do you think the uh, – well, I'll list a couple of uh, – I'll lob a couple out there. I mean, I mean kind of no, no matter what, there's still people that get older, want to downsize. There's still young people that have a family, all of a sudden – studio don't look so hot when the first baby's there, and by the way, the one bedroom doesn't look so hot when the second baby shows up. So there's still movement up and down in the system, and it's you know it's your job and Audrey's job to make make that movement as painless as possible, basically. Uh, but now when you have people in houses at you know a three percent rate, and all of a sudden, even if they downsize for a say a six percent rate, well, hell, they could downsize by half, and you know hopefully, hopefully a lot of those people maybe get enough cash out of the other place to where they really don't need as big a mortgage or maybe even no mortgage on the next place. But by and large, uh, it, it's there's a lot of barriers to people making just normal movement right now, aren't there? Just because of the way the rates have been all over the place the last few years?
2: There's no, well, there's no inventory. I mean, if, if there's, I thought last year it was there wasn't a lot of inventory, right? There's only 25% of last year's number available. And no then the cost <coughs> of the homes have gone up. And there's other people who are just saying, "I'm not leaving my three percent rate right now because everything else has gone up." Yep. So I mean, we, we're just kind of everybody's kind of waiting back to see what happens,
4: right? Well, when you say no inventory, I mean, first of all, Audrey says the same thing. I was listening to her yesterday; told me there's no inventory. Uh, so I mean, there's, there's, not like, there's no chance that the two views could be wrong. But when you I mean, when you talk about you know, no, no inventory. Are we talking about a from Audrey's house or your house? Are we talking a five-mile radius, a ten-mile radius, a hundred-mile radius? I mean, clearly there hasn't been as much new construction the last few years because prices have been high, and uh, you know, and it, it was a was an uncertain uncertainty going forward to just build five spec houses and hope you could hope you could sell them, especially when you're paying so much for the material two years ago. So I'd say the new new spots are, are lower than normal, right? But I mean, if you if you expand, you know the 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 map to Inglewood, the West Side, you know uh, maybe we're uh, Janesville or places like that. There's all kinds of inventory, right? But nobody wants to live there. So I mean, it's it's is how localized is is the idea that there's no inventory? I guess is my question. I don't know. I mean, you
2: come out to West D all the way up to. Um, you know, the north side um, I, I'm tracking about People that are looking for homes that are You know, 500,000 And under
4: Okay.
2: And then I'm tracking um, Especially in the southern suburbs For homes that are uh, 300 or less And it just seems that there Really isn't That much available what are
4: you <laughs> I mean,
2: I, I would say if you could get Up to 400 on the south side you know, you'll, you might find something But it's only one or two it's, it's just this The amount of stuff for sale Just isn't there And I don't know if it's because people it's, You know, they got into Christmas And it's cold and it's snowing And then they're saying, why am I doing this? You know, it's really hard to say But uh, I just I've never really seen it like this quite
4: <clears throat> like my back
2: in 2008, 2009, there were homes
4: for sale. Well, my nephew was telling me. I really me just
2: don't see the homes for sale right
4: now. Well, my nephew was telling me last night he lives in, uh, well, he lives a little, I guess he's technically West Beverly, but West Beverly, Mount Greenwood, sort of the same area. It's kind of a bastion for policemen and firemen and so forth. It's a nice community. Housing stock isn't the greatest. A lot of bungalows and a lot of people are adding on to them and stuff. He said the house behind his place is a three bedroom, sort of a sort of a bungalow, but it's a slab house, which isn't really a bungalow. Bungalows are raised ranch, right? They're up, and then there's a basement underneath. So it's not really a bungalow. Uh, he said it was on the market two days. And they had, you know, four offers, and it's gone. You know what I it's Because right. it's three kind of small bedrooms, maybe a bath and a half. Says, they do have a nice yard, or a three-season room. He goes, that's it. And he probably just wanted to live in that neighborhood and just grabbed it. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's livable. And, uh, he said, but it's, you know, wouldn't be anything. Wouldn't be your dream home, but... uh. But it's in the right area, and if you're a, a young cop with a wife and a baby, I mean, that's you're, you're probably happy as a clam to get the place, right?
2: Right, and that's that's what I'm seeing. I mean, there's um, I know a lot of people that live in executive area you're speaking of. West Beverly is actually east of Western, and then Mount Greenwood comes in and touches into that, along with Beverly Park.
4: Actually, West Beverly is west of Western, hence the name West. Hmm. Saint John's. Well, the F- well, people that
2: live east of Western tell me that's West Beverly too.
4: No, that's <laughs> that, that, that is Beverly, the, the part that spills I think over.
2: everybody must want to be in West Beverly. Well, but they true. added on and put it. You know, they went yeah. up the roof and added straight up and added a whole new house, a whole new level above the level they had, and but, they, they love it. And people that live there love it. They don't want to leave. No, ever.
4: Well, it's it's the and a lot of people are moving back into the area. And, and the reason why is the school I went to, St. John Fisher, and, and east of there over in Beverly, you got, uh, what is it, St. Barnabas and Saint uh, and Christ the King. So those are mm-hmm. places where the kids are very safe walking to school, going home for lunch, and, uh, you know, and there's a couple of good public schools there, too. It's, it's, it's growing up the way people felt that they grew up, and that's why they turned into pretty good people. You know, whether they're right or wrong, who knows? But you, you don't have to drive the kids every single place. The kids don't have to get on the bus in the morning. It's a whole—it's a program that they feel is is healthy for 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 kids to grow up. And know whether it is—that is correct. And uh, so, you're, the people are pouring back in there. Even even like people can afford to live someplace a hell of a lot nicer. Hence the all the bungalows now have a second story on them and something like that. But uh, yeah,
2: and same for Stephen. They're carrying them down, and they're doing yeah. the footprint. And they're building. Uh, one is more beautiful than the next. Yep. I can't believe. I mean, I can't believe how nice it looks. It makes me want to
4: move back. Well, you know, it's what's, what's what's kind of bizarre though. They haven't done the the north side McMansion thing near me up on Lincoln Park, where you you buy like five houses and tear yeah. them down and build one. I mean, no, nobody nobody that I've seen has been that ostentatious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yet, Mark, agree. But I think that would probably cause your neighbors to be pissed off. But I have seen a couple. where It looks like uh, two people might have shared. The crummy house in the middle and split the lot. I've seen like a lot, and a, some, a couple now they're like a lot and a half.
2: how is it oh, really? no, I haven't seen that I have seen them use the same footprint, um, and what they have is just absolutely, absolutely amazing, yeah. beautiful. I mean, they're designed well. Um, you know, they fit things in there that I would have never thought of. Like you're the standard bungalow. Um, wow. A lot of those, some of those homes are only two bedrooms.
4: Well, you know, I, I and uh, back in back in the day. In the I mean, it's it's kind of stunning. Nancy will kind of walk off the reservation here for a couple minutes. We'll talk more about mortgages and stuff. But uh, back in the late '70s, I was kind of in the remodeling business to a certain extent. I mean, just I mean, I just did apartments. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was not I was not a structural engineer. Did a couple of homes, but my, my mantra was find a place that's brick, that, and you don't usually have any, any any bearing wall problems, and find a place that had the rooms that were the right size because I could easily remodel a kitchen. But I wasn't the guy that could tear down a bearing wall and figure out what kind of beam you needed, that kind of thing, that was above my pay grade. So as long as the rooms were the right size, I could remodel the bathroom in the kitchen. Uh, But I also dug into a lot of the stuff that was going on at the time, and people were very much into passive solar homes and things like that, which incredibly enough, now when you hear about energy conservation, nobody even talks about that. And that's the simplest, easiest thing anybody can do when they're building a house, is to make it somewhat passive solar. When I say that, simple stuff like your southern eaves, you make them just the right size to where in the wintertime, the, snow, the sun can come in, and in the summertime the sun's high and it can't come in. Simple stuff like that, Or you can have a tromby wall or, or have a, uh, a, big, a big window where the floor is a tile where it soaks up heat during the day and then radiates it. We don't even we did not make an attempt at any of that stuff, even though it's all. But also one of the things was people were designing homes, and you know, I mean uh, virtually every house that you know of in the South suburbs according to the people, is, is designed horribly in the sense that there's duplications of rooms. Where there's a huge living room, a huge family room, and then there's a huge fixed basement, all for like the same purpose. Yet these, these people are talking about minimization, where your your living room maybe would be if you had two other couples over six people. It was a room designed for six people. Maybe a, a small stereo in the background, place for drinks They have a intimate little gathering talking about God knows what. Then, of course, you had... The family room which was for kind of the rough housing you know which is you're supposed to that's where your big TV was or we can run around and, and you know you can have the coke and potato chips and stuff mm. But essentially you had you had a purpose for every room and a room for every purpose you didn't just duplicate them and how many people in the south side do you know never used the living room and only use the family room they know you can't walk in the living room even though it's the same size and you know, and then downstairs is the, is, the, is the fixed up basement which is the duplicate duplication of the family room Anyway, the, the, these people, these architects know that you don't really need a very big home, square feet, if you really know what you're doing and this room's for this purpose, this one's for this purpose, and another one, I mean, just like you're talking about. But you don't, don't I mean, a couple a couple does not need an 11,000-square-foot home unless you don't want to talk to each other, right? <laughs> That's for sure. Unless you want I mean,
2: I wouldn't even want to clean it or decorate it or, I mean, just forget
4: it. Well, I mean, the, the place in Palis that Audrey's selling, or thinks she's got sold. I saw that one. Nancy, God, the place is gorgeous. And Audrey says, mm-hmm. "I'd like this place." I'm going on. Oh, I, I couldn't find you. I'd have to send the poodle out for uh, to feel to find out where the hell you are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's for people who never want to see each other. Anyway, so what? Uh, who, who now? If you were to list, talk about changing subjects, the mortgage industry. What, what is? How is it structured now? Is is if somebody. As a mortgage and the, the right person or the person would call you to get it done properly but is it is it all people like you or do people just walk into their local bank is that's still around do people walk into city group no you know, i think
2: people just walk in i think people actually just um go online and see it, you know they just apply it online it's just a new, new thing that's happening i mean everybody thinks going online or qr code you know um You just hit the QR code and it gets them into the app, and and they believe that um, a mortgage, you know, you can get it anywhere. It's no big deal. And that's true. You can get a mortgage anywhere, but are you going to get a mortgage that fits what your needs are? I have absolutely no idea. Mm -hmm. absolutely no idea what they're going to wind up getting themselves into. And usually, let's face it, when when it's a faceless transaction and it's all done, yeah, and you don't know the people you really not going to know what
4: you have until you go to use it. Well, if it if it's so easy and anybody can do it online, how come you and Audrey and your and your and your two different roles? How come you guys work so hard to get every deal done? Who who does all that work because if it's just online? We, because
2: we care and we don't want to see people make mistakes. So we see we, we foresee what they're getting themselves into, and we say, "Wait, whoa, wait a minute, what are you?" What do you really want to do? So you have to get the people, how long do you really want to stay here? Is this your forever home or is this just a temporary thing? You know, what are you doing? Because a lot of times people get a great rate, but it's, it's, it's hidden in the price. is really hidden in the fees. And some people um, believe they really want an arm and it's not going to be best for them When it adjusts, they don't really understand what that means. Um, They could get a better deal um, if we could find out, you know, if we can get their credit score up or we could get it fixed. And sometimes that doesn't take all that long to do. So there's a lot of prep work that we put into it. I do a lot of prep work to figure out what's the best, what is the, what are the needs that they really have? you know if you got people say I'm going to put 20% down and I put 20% down and they have like you know $3 left at the end of the day they not the away to go into a home
4: no especially because something's going to go wrong there. especially if you never owned a home right? you don't realize something's going to break
2: right so I show them like what it would be if they got um, PMI and and um, sometimes people don't realize this but if you would just put 19% down and get a small amount of PMI let's say it's
4: $13 a month, you might get a bunch better rate. Does anybody ever, does PMI ever pay off? Yes.
2: It, well, it, it does. On a conventional loan, on an FHA loan, they've got it going, I think, for at least a minimum of 10 years because the fund is broke. So, I don't really, rec- I, I look at it both ways. I look at what somebody would get if they went FHA and then, because obviously their rates are lower, but, like, People will say, oh, I, got a, I, got a, uh, I have a family member who said to me, oh, I've got my rate for my house is 4%. And I said, and that's FHA, so your rate is really 5.85%. Really? And they looked at me and said, what the heck does that mean? And I said, they charge you um, 1.75 up front, which you already pay, and now they've got .85. So I said, you're really at 4.85, and when you average it all out. You're paying like 5.87%. I mean, you'd be better off if you just got out of it. And he just looked at me like, what? And oh, I, yeah. so I showed him where the 4.85 was, and he was like, oh, they didn't tell me that. See, there's just so many things people don't understand. And I do, you're, you're not going to walk away not understanding. That's one thing you're not going to do. Well,
4: Nancy. Answer- I'm going to explain it from every end to the other. Well, but everybody who looks at you thinks you're a spring chicken. How do you have the conversation with somebody who wants an arm that's, say, 34 years old and says, look, lady, <laughs> uh, mortgage rates are three. <clears throat> we all know they're going back there. i got to pay six today. Give me an arm because in two years it'll be back down to three, and I'll be fat and happy. How do you, how do you, I d- how do you even have that I just that said that yesterday. I said, let me well, look into this
2: and let me get back to you. Well, they're going no. they so to might say, into it. you're fully informed. You can do it, but I want to make sure you're fully informed of it. Of what your decision is I and
4: mean, you and i might say six percent is about it's, it's that's the usual rate get used to it but that you know that, right
2: but they do not believe and the guy said to me yesterday for sure is predicted through this person and that person and that's what the that rates they're going back there to three so i really feel i can get an arm well and i said okay just let me look it because what you're doing is, is quite bizarre um, in other words, it's a fifty unit building. It's um I think out of the fifty units, eighteen are owned by the builder and rented out.
4: So you now if you were if you were a better marketer, you would say, The man wants a suit, blue suit, let's put on the blue light. Right.
2: Correct. Absolutely. But then they they, when they're screwed, they're just going to they you to going just least you to them Well, an informed I They can still make it, but
4: that's their choice. I a tell you that my, my, when you learn this the wrong way, it always sits with you. a did tell you that uh, you that partner a when I, learn this was wrong way, treasurer at sits with you. I did tell a that when we we were Robin and a because she was the assistant treasurer at a we had a place up on we a you get, you, get, you get off at Wrigley and you walk toward the lake. It was on one of those streets. And uh, we didn't get a mortgage on this place because <coughs> she was a, a big enough schmo to get us a bridge loan, an adjustable bridge loan. Uh-huh. I, th- I think we closed on the place in, in September at 8.5%. And I f- we sold it, uh, made money on the on the place. We sold it next March or April, and our rate had gone from 85 or 8 to 14 it didn't go the, the right way. It went the wrong way to the extent of like 6%. So I think we made seven or eight grand on the place, which is exactly kind of what I had figured. And we came, we broke even because we had to pay all that in interest. And I was never so happy to break even anything in my life. When the guy said, well, I'll take it, and we, I was able to pay off my credit cards, which of course I had bought the, the uh, wooden stuff on and plasterboard, I was able to pay everybody off in one day and be flat, minus my time for five months. I was I was the happiest man on earth, but it went from eight percent to fourteen in, in in a nanosecond. It seemed. I make mean, it, it can really go against you if it goes the wrong way. Well, I, I think well, prime is at seven,
2: and the mortgage rates are in the sixes. So people who have lines of credit are calling out saying, "Well, you know, I should remortgage Well, wait a minute. What's your what's your original mortgage rate? Yeah. Well, I say it's at you know two point seven five. Well. Then you can't take this bulk. You have to reboard the whole thing, and they're like, "Well, I just want to get a second
4: mortgage." Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah and so That's just not the way it works. So, you're getting a lot of people are beginning to figure it out, and they're saying, "Well, they can lower my rate if I give them another property to put it up behind it as collateral." I said, "Oh my God, no!
4: <laughs> yeah, you don't. Want to do that.
2: You don't want to do that. You don't want to give them two pieces for one." So
4: they're not going to get getting, a lower rate. They're not getting this advice on online yet. So give us a shameless plug. We got to let you go. And uh, we'll see you, and we'll talk to you in, what, two weeks? Three weeks? Uh, three, weeks yeah. three
2: weeks, yeah. I'm with your United Mortgage Company, and my number is 708-341-9601.
4: All right, Nancy. You guys
2: have a good couple of weeks. Enjoy yourself. Right.
4: I, I won't say behave yourself, thanks. but enjoy yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no not right, be behaving. Okay. That's a picture yours on 32. Nancy, it's on 134. Matt, nice job. Back tomorrow Stocks and jacks
9: Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit hamzianalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call
1: 1-800-821-4968. Hey guys. What's up, G? Wanna to go to Chachi's? get some coffee? Oh, it's a little early. I'm... I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh-oh.
3: Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays.